Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 9th of June. It's being called the sting of the century that's seen hundreds arrested and some of the world's most sophisticated crime gangs smashed. Called Operation Ironside, the three-year joint investigation between the Australian Federal Police and FBI tracked criminals using an encrypted messaging app, ANOM, designed by police. Authorities were able to read up to 25 million messages in real time. Here is AFP Commissioner Rhys Kershaw. All they talk about is drugs, violence, hits on each other, uh, innocent people who are going to be murdered, a whole range of things. So it would be like, I need a 1,000 kilos at this price, very brazen, no attempt to uh, hide behind any sort of codified kind of conversation. More than 800 suspects have been arrested across 18 different countries with more than $148 million in cash uncovered while drugs, weapons and luxury cars were also seized during the raids. Also making news this morning, a mass outage has shut down thousands of internet sites overnight, including Netflix, Amazon and a number of major news organisations like the BBC and CNN. The outage was connected to a cloud provider called Fastly and lasted for about an hour. Here's cyber expert Zorn Barner. A lot of these providers connect and talk to each other, so kind of like uh, a wheel on your car going flat. As soon as one goes down, uh, the rest of the car is going to start noticing what's happened. And it looks like a lot of these web companies have been using this service across the world. UK and US government sites were also affected. Melbourne's two-week COVID lockdown is on track to end this Friday as planned, but some restrictions are set to remain in place as authorities try to stop any further outbreaks. Here's Victoria's acting Premier, James Molino. We remain on track to provide further easing of restrictions in regional Victoria and careful easing of restrictions in Melbourne. So we remain absolutely on track to deliver that, and that's by virtue of the excellent work of our contact tracers. Authorities are set to finalise the details this morning. And calls are continuing to mount for a Tamil family to be resettled in Australia after their youngest daughter undergoes medical treatment in a Perth hospital. Three-year-old Tharnika was medically evacuated on Monday from immigration detention on Christmas Island after being diagnosed with sepsis and untreated pneumonia. The family has been in the detention centre since August 2019. Mother Priya thanking everyone for their ongoing support. Please help us to get her out of detention and home to Bilola. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we start in WA this morning and the COVID vaccine program is being expanded with the plan labelled as ambitious. From tomorrow, those aged between 30 and 49 can roll up their sleeves to get the Pfizer jab. Our reporter Adam Hemmings has the latest from Perth. Tash, the shot will be available at state-run clinics across Perth and Bunbury as well as mobile outlets in regional WA. Currently in the state there are more than 107,000 doses of the Pfizer vaccine but the state government says thousands more will be needed each week. Premier Mark McGowan says it's a significant boost for the vaccination program. Far more West Australians can get vaccinated but I just say to everyone uh, you need to book. Those bookings can be done through the roll-up for WA website and 
And the Premier is also calling on the federal government to send more Pfizer shots to WA's GP clinics. To South Australia now, and the state could become the latest to legalise euthanasia when a bill goes before Parliament today. Much like the Victorian model, it proposes access to voluntary euthanasia for those aged 18 and over who've lived in the state for one year and have been diagnosed with an incurable illness, disease or medical condition. Reporter Sean Maynard has the details from Adelaide. Yeah, so today's the day politicians in SA's lower house will finally vote on this bill. It's really expected to pass after six 16 failed attempts over more than a quarter of a century. It's already passed the upper house. 14 votes to seven. Now it's headed back to the Legislative Council. Labor member Kai Ma, he's been the driving force behind this bill after witnessing his mother's battle with terminal pancreatic cancer. That shaped his support for this sort of legislation. Premier Stephen Marshall has already signalled his support for the laws. So to the opposition leader, Peter Malinowskis, it's a conscience vote, a private member's bill, and that means there's plenty of detail for MPs to consider, but if it does pass, SA will become the fourth state to legalise euthanasia following Victoria, Western Australia and Tasmania. Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at Canstar. Effie, good morning. More evidence, one may say, that interest rates are going to be on the increase as the major banks increase their fixed rates. Yeah, Tasha, it looks like the interest rate cycle is well and truly turning. And Westpac did announce this interest rate hike on its two- and three-year fixed rates, and that was going to apply across the, uh, the, the group, so it's subsidiaries like St George, Bank of Melbourne, Bank SA. It is a small increase, Tash, just, just 0.1%. Um, overall, the rates are still low, but the interesting thing here is that we're used to seeing the four- and five-year fixed rates moving, but now the more popular two- and three fixed rates are going up. And, and actually, to date, Westpac joins 12 other lenders that have increased their shorter-term fixed rates. And that's quite concerning. Like we were saying, the interest rate cycle is uh, turning. And that's got a lot to do, I guess, with the RBA's term funding facility, which has been offering the bank's money at just 0.1% fixed to three years. That is going to wrap up soon. And we expect more bank increases, uh, more banks to basically follow this rate increase. Look, again, the message is, you know, don't rush in uh, and lock without considering your options. While there's a very good argument to lock in because the cheapest, say, two years sitting at 1.78 and the cheapest three-year fixed rate sitting at 1.79, well below the uh, average variable rate, there are pros and cons to fixing. So make sure you know what they are before you jump in. Good advice as always, Effie. Now, interest rates, as we know, on savings accounts may be rock bottom at the moment, but I find this really interesting. Kids' accounts can still earn a decent rate. I do too. Like Obviously, they're, they're looking after the kids here. And that's why I get too excited, Tash. The, the top one I found was 2.5%. Oh, okay. Um, but that's not bad given other banks are paying yes. nothing. And also what I like about this particular one um, is, is that you don't have to kind of jump through hoops in it. It will give you 2.5% for balances up to 5000 but you've got to be 17 years and under. So the thing with kids' bank accounts, you've got to watch. They give a total rate, but there's always a base rate or you've got to do something to get that total rate. So make sure you understand how it works. I think the important thing for kids these days is that we do live in a digital uh, world. So there's a lot of different apps out there, whether it's a Spriggy, Rooster Money and, and Zap. They're all things to look at. They do teach kids with the digital world. Just watch the fees. Children are earning about 16% more pocket money than they were pre-lockdown. 
And this is a survey came from Rooster Money. They basically had a look at kids' pocket money from the age of, say, 4 to 14 and actually found that they're being paid more this quarter, 2021, um, than uh, quarter one in 2020. Why is that? I would think that probably we are now coming out of a, a situation where we're feeling a little bit more confident with giving our kids maybe just that little bit more money and actually paying them. And also kids have been probably home a lot more, looking for ways to do extra jobs. And a lot of the entrepreneur kids are doing a lot more things like washing the car, mowing lawns, kind of getting back to, back to the house duties. And if, like my children, negotiating better rates. Thanks, Effie. <laughs> <laughs> Time for sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett. Queensland is claiming underdog status despite declaring all of their stars fit to play in tonight's big origin opener in Townsville. Yes, good morning to you, Tash. Of course, AJ Brimson, uh, Cam Munster, Harry Grant, Dane Gagai have all been under injury clouds in the lead-up to Origin, so it hasn't been the ideal build-up for the Maroons, and that's why their coach Paul Green insists that the Blues deserve to start favourites tonight. Oh, we are. Yeah, Queensland. Why is that? Because we've had a pretty disrupted prep and you know, they're probably on paper a better team than us. Now we haven't lost, or the Maroons haven't lost an Origin game in Queensland since, uh, well for a, a number of years. Uh, so we've got two games in Queensland. Townsville of course tonight will be a full house, should be a great atmosphere. Now in the New South Wales camp, all uh, the attention is on their debutantes, especially Jerome Luai who partners his Panthers teammate Nathan Cleary in the halves. Freddie is confident, Brad Fittler their coach, that he's made the right call at selection. They play together week in, week out, so I'm sure they'll have a lot to say to each other. The fact they were in a grand final last year and they naturally overwhelmed a little bit. It's like grand finals where it starts really fast and doesn't seem to let up, so that's the key, is to get out early, you know, be in the game early and get your hands on the ball. Kick off at 10 past 8, we can't wait for that tonight, Tash. You mentioned earlier Brett Wee, so that means you're supporting Queensland? Yes, I'll be a Maroons fan tonight for sure. <laughs> Go the Blues to the AFL now. And a Carlton veteran says coach David Teague shouldn't cop all the blame as the Blues prepare to launch a mid-season review. Yes, they've decided to bring this review forward, so it was going to be at the end of the season. It'll now be mid-season. Their outgoing president, Mark Ledudegé, says that this isn't a witch hunt. This isn't designed to just look at the performance of the coach, David Teague. Of course, the Blues are three games outside the eight. Really disappointing season so far. By the coach's own admission, they haven't improved. He is contracted for next year. At this stage, the outgoing president believes... He uh, will see out that uh, contract and be an in charge at the Blues in 2022. Now, Eddie Betts, one of their veteran players, says that it's not just uh, the coach who is responsible for their form so far this year. I think that's unfair. We as players got to take some responsibility as well because we're out there playing footy, and you know we wouldn't be we wouldn't be in this position if we won those games that were close. Now, it's already claimed one casualty assistant coach John Barker has decided to leave. Eddie Betts also spoke about to Adam Goods uh, knocking back induction into the. Hall of Fame. The AFL Commission confirmed that the dual Brownlow medalist and dual premiership player has rejected the offer. Betts telling Fox Footy the events that led to Goods retiring still obviously hurt. But I think truly do believe that people just need to respect Adam's decision. This is his decision. Obviously, he's been racially abused and if you haven't been racially abused then you, have, you don't know what it feels like. It cuts you deep and this has obviously cut Adam really deep. A really sad state of affairs for a champion of the game in Adam Goods. Yeah, Brett, incredibly sad. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. 
And an ancient bone found on a Queensland cattle property has turned out to belong to Australia's newest and largest dinosaur species. The bone was discovered by farmers in 2006 by accident. And 15 years later, it's officially been recognised as the skeleton of the largest dinosaur ever discovered in Australia. Here is vertebrae paleontologist Dr Scott Hocknell from the Queensland Museum on the ABC. It's an enormous animal. It would have grown up between 25 to 30 metres long, uh, six and a half metres high at the hip, and somewhere in the order of between 50 and 70 tonnes. What a find. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also find the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.